Hey everybody, this is John Fusco, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. I saw a lot of movies in the midnight section at Sundance this year. There were a lot of weird movies. Bitch, however, is a batshit insane movie. In terms of understanding what we're dealing with here, the premise will get you half the way there. An underappreciated mother finds out her jerk-off husband is cheating on her, and as a result, well, she turns into a dog. The real insanity, however, comes across in a near-constant destruction of genre conventions. Is this a horror film? Is it a comedy? Is it a relationship drama? At times, it's all of these things together. At other times, it's very clearly just one. Mariana Palka wrote the script in just two days which aside from being a remarkable achievement, is a testament to the freewheeling nature of the film itself. She also directs and stars in the film. At Sundance, I was joined by Emily Booter, Palka, and actor-musician Zach Clark to discuss Palka's unrivaled writing technique and the benefits of being a multi-hyphenate. Hey everyone, I'm John Fusco, and I'm going to ask our filmmaker and actor to introduce themselves so they can uh, make you guys familiar with their voices. Let's start with Mariana. Uh, hi, I'm Mariana Palka, and I made a movie called Bitch that's here, and I'm a writer, director, actress. Hi, I'm Zach Clark, and I am an actor in the movie Bitch. I play Uncle Brian. And you're also a musician, correct? I am. I also play keys in the band Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, and I'm a solo artist and writer and producer. And Emily's here, too. Yes, if you didn't <laughs> hear that. <laughs> Emily, managing editor of No Film School. Hello, everyone. We're here at Sundance at the Acura Lounge. <laughs> um, yeah, we are. And yes, we can we hear our, there's, Jamie's babies are here. Jamie King's in our movie, and her babies are here. Oh, I bet and they're so, so They're cute. so cute. If you hear any screeches. It's them <laughs> agreeing me. with what we're <laughs> saying. Yeah, it's not me. <laughs> mm. um, so... Last night at the Q and A, you were talking a bit, Mariana, about um, the impetus for the film being a medical case that totally. you researched. Yeah. So, do you want to tell me a little bit about how you stumbled across that and how that case evolved into the present day bitch? <laughs> yeah, R. D. Lang, who's a Scottish doctor, had a case of a woman who started acting like a dog because she had empty nest syndrome and I had heard about that and I really thought it was a great idea for a movie but I thought it would be more interesting to bring it into the modern era and have her be in a house with her four kids uh with her you know I thought it was going to be so compelling to have the kids around and have them have to deal with it and see her sister who's played by Jamie King and see her husband who's played by Jason Ritter like just have to go at it because they like really their reactions to her are so different Um, and I think that's what makes our movie powerful it's actually what makes this interview powerful because it's more interesting to have like multiple people and multiple opinions you know than just one so then where did sort of the we got the seed of the idea but then where did the um, I guess like the lens for storytelling sort of place itself upon that story I love you so much for asking that no one asked me that Um, (laughs) yay (laughs) You know what happened is I, this I'm a very bizarre screenwriter, and I don't know anyone else who is the way that I am in the sense that I will not write the story like I'll know it and it'll be like sort of in me for a while and then I'll sit down and I'll just write it in one go like I wrote the first draft of this in two days. Um, how and long? Then, how long was that screenplay? 
a hundred pages. Two days. Yeah. Wow. And I went to Lake Tahoe. Like I went to a hotel and got like room service. I was like, I'm gonna just get crazy and like write this so fast. <laughs> the screenwriter's dream. <laughs> yeah, because I I don't like mulling over it in a weird way or getting stressed out about it. Like I enjoy just you know sort of waiting until it's there and laying it all out like the script that I just wrote is called Rad Dads and it's a comedy and I wrote it in four hours wow so I'm really like and it's amazing not oh my god <laughs> can you speak can you speak to that process a little bit that like allows you to get that done everyone so who's a writer like hates me like everyone I know who writes scripts is just like shut up I hate when you say that like they're so annoyed um because the process is to me as easy as it possibly can be in the sense that I do not ever disengage with why I love the story like I never like question the instincts of it I'm always just like letting it be like I allow it I allow it I allow it and then it like comes out of me so like maybe a stream of consciousness sort of thing yeah. more than like a you no know, outlining absolutely or... I do not outline like if I tried to outline I would be terrible I'd made like I would make a terrible film if I wrote an outline first do you yeah. play out scenes in your head yeah like I see it all in my brain and then I also like see like the the point of it in the in the world <laughs> like I also see like what it's gonna do for society like and I see like the medicine of it and how to put like the vitamin in but also put like the the casing around the vitamin so it's digestible by everybody like I think that's why bitch is kind of awesome because it's not it's a feminist film but it's also very conservative it's about family values it's about being a good husband being a good parent it's about being a great family member I I think your your approach is so important and tuned in with this movie in particular too because it's it's this idea that you can't control the story the story is supposed to tell you something and to tell everyone something and if that happens naturally then it is exactly like you're saying it's the medicine rather than the controlling husband of of the story you know it's it's not yeah it's not bill yeah it's know? not cerebral it's not a cerebral pro- process yeah. for me so then does that screenplay evolve after you've done that initial initial you know four yeah. hours of work yeah it does like that'll be what's there and then um what spectre vision like daniel noah and josh waller and elijah wood read that script and Daniel usually like develops in their company he like develops the scripts with writers and so that's what we did together and it was so cool to be in his hands because he really respected my instincts and we kept working together in a collaboration like page by page talked about everything but made Bill kind of sharper like there's there's so much to say for him being as much of an asshole in the beginning as possible so that we have m- way further to take him when he becomes a great father. You know, that arc is really important. So, um, yeah, like I never had in the beginning, I never had us seeing his affair. Like, you know, the opening scene of our movie is Bill going down on this girl um, or this woman um, in his or office. This girl. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, um, and, that, and that's, that's like a Daniel Noah note of genius. You know, it's like, well, that's, you know, an incredible way to open the movie, of course. So when someone's idea is better than mine, I like it like I thought of it myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, yes, Daniel's a genius, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so because of that, I therefore think that the film has benefited from being in their hands for sure. And in the post-production process, Waller and Daniel and Elijah, they've been so supportive in every way and details in terms of the sound and the score. Like I don't think that in any other hands the film would be as... Uh, punchy you know Mm -hmm. so then getting back to like the tone of it um 
when you wrote it, did you write it as a genre film? Was it a horror from the beginning or was it a relationship drama or was it a comedy? Because it, it you know, traverses all of those boundaries, the final product. What do you think about the genre, Zach? Well, I liked what you said um, in one of the Q&As in the last couple of days. And, and it, it struck me in my second viewing of the film because I only saw it for the first time at the premiere. And then I was I requested quite strongly to see it again yesterday at the second showing because I I needed to make a little more sense of it yeah. after seeing it for the first time and and um, I think it's important to note that in reality there is there is true comedy in tragedy and there is like true like deep heartfelt tragedy in every moment in life and you have to get through it with such a myriad of, of different emotions and different approaches. And so I think this movie kind of takes that and makes it into its own genre. You know, it, it's, it's important that it's not one thing because that's what makes it real to me. We wanted everyone to like it. So we went for it being everything. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did all of those tones kind of organically coalesce in the writing process or did they come out on set as you were directing? They, it was all incredibly organic in the sense that it was um, designed to be as vulnerable and as humanly truthful as possible. And when you do that, like Zach was saying, it's like, therefore it's funny, therefore it's tragic. I think what's interesting about the kind of actors I like working with you know they have this ability to like be incredibly strong and incredibly vulnerable they play funny tragic or tragic with funny you know so they have this very complex way of working um which is sort of true to the human experience or like to the deepest version of a soul i also think it's really interesting um to have a character who has like a male energy and a female energy you know like i think that beth's character has a lot of jamie king's character has a lot of female energy and she's also very assertive and strong um and i think that uncle brian's character who zach plays he's kind of like the secret sage of the movie we love him so much he basically like tells bill what to do in this one scene and then bill spends the rest of the movie doing it and he's like the reason why the movie i think is beautiful in terms of men you know like i think that uncle brian is has these like male and female qualities within him and they're balanced and I think that he kind of illustrates to Bill that Bill can be like that. that to be a strong man, it's okay to be um, vulnerable. So then for yourself, um, as a writer, director, actor, why was it important for you to be all three? Of, I mean, the writer, director, why, is it, why was it important for you to take on that physicality of the dog and put yourself in that role rather than cast someone else, for example? Again, it was kind of instinctive on on my part, it was kind of just like, I'll just do it. Yeah. Um, it felt like the easiest way to do it mm. for some reason. Um, I always am in my own movies for some reason, and I think it's just because I, I like that feeling of being in a community and making the work, and it's almost like to ask the actors to do it, it's like this energy, if I'm doing it with them, it's this energy of kind of like not being like the commander-in-chief right. who's like sending in the soldiers, but yeah. like fighting with them, yeah. you know, like in the yeah. in the battle. Um, and it is, it makes them feel like, wow, you know, we're all in this together and we're all taking risks yeah. here, you know? Um, and I do think that 
that this character specifically, I was excited to show a woman who was put together, who was trying to have a perfect life, go into the depths of her psyche and go down into the darkness and be the wild woman archetype and have this house that's like, you know, the dark side of our psyches and then what we have above, which is very presentational, like the kitchen and everything that's upstairs is like, everything's put together, we're, we're trying to keep it together. And meanwhile, downstairs, there's like this feeling, I feel like that's kind of what it feels like to be a human being, you know, yeah. um, often. Yeah. So how do you balance those three hats though? Like what is there? Oh, um, I, I just, I don't know. I just do it. I like to be acting and then like, you know, I had poop all over me. We had like brownie <laughs> batter that was like, it took like hours to put on me. And then I would have a robe and I'd like be directing while I had like poop all over me. I think, you know, the, co- the coolest thing, Zach's my boyfriend and he just was so nice about it. Like he didn't, he wasn't like, get away from me. <laughs> he would like hug me and kiss me when I had poop on me. Um, Cause I smelled great. Yeah. It, was brown- it was brownie <laughs> batter. It was gluten free. <laughs> it was gluten free. I asked me to be gluten free. Like somehow like it made me feel like really classy to be like, could we have it be gluten free and with no sugar? Just want like the chocolate in there. And my makeup artist, Vivi, was like, that's great. Yeah, we can do that. And so I was like, cool, okay. I was like, no, it doesn't make any sense that it was gluten free and sugarless. But it was great to be in a place where everyone, like every crew member, all of the kids, Jason and Jamie, the producers, the financiers, you know, like... uh make our financier was so supportive and every time I had like poop on my face he wasn't like how are you like you look gross he was just like talking to me and so excited about it and um yeah I think that's a key element when you're making a movie if you have a lot of makeup with one of your actors you want to be like you want to tell people beforehand say to them that they look cool it's amazing it looks so real don't say like that's gross or don't be like oh because that isn't like a very helpful collaborative no, energy no. <laughs> for people to be disgusted by the way you look. You so know? for such an unconventional film, what was the biggest challenge that you guys faced in making it? Um, challenge is always an interesting word for me because I never feel, I don't know, I never feel like a cha- anything was challenging. It felt like heaven because it's such a, a serene experience for me to make a movie. I, I think that, I don't, I just, I, I really feel like that energy of, of being able to tell stories and being lucky enough to heal like each other by working together and heal kind of people who watch the movie through storytelling. It just feels like such a blessing and it just feels like amazing. It feels amazing. Great. It's kind of, it's kind of one of my favorite things. <laughs> so was this budget much different than your previous film, Good Dick? Yeah, everything about it was bigger and uh, more sweeping. Um, we had way more resources. We had way more, uh, the, just production value was so much higher in every level, and we really utilized it well. Was it difficult adjusting to that, you know, ju- adjusting to that scale? No, like, I'm happy to make an $8 million or $8 billion movie. Like, I wouldn't be able to have any scale. Like, I'm happy to go as high as possible money-wise. <laughs> Do you think that the anything on set changes with different amounts of money or is it all the same it's interesting we're very close with ron howard and he makes movies obviously that have way bigger budgets and he is i think you know a very calm director and i think that if you're good then you don't then nothing stresses you out like i think the really graceful directors in my mind are the ones who can have any kind of stress happen and they're not actually taking it on personally but they're still guiding the ship and keep being kind to everyone and 
not letting money be a factor. Yeah, I I was just going to mention Ron because we yeah. were talking about Mariana's approach of being in the movie and directing the movie and and that duality I think speaks to something that Ron was telling me he calls his 6 of 1 rule, which is kind of something that I've always aspired to whatever I do and I know I see Mariana do it is that if you have a direction to give someone and there's a way to pose it to them as their own idea and their own agency that they can do it without you telling them to do it that's always the way if it's six and one half dozen of the other do it like let someone else do it and I think Mariana's approach of, of getting in the trenches with everyone encourages everyone to to kind of be that agent you know and and I think it I can't imagine it changing from budget to budget for you and and I think the budget seems to only if there's a constraint it's an inspiration and if there's if there's more it's an inspiration you know well it seems like the collaborative sort of nature is a huge part of your directing style um do you have any other advice like if you could give one golden piece of advice to like emerging filmmakers or young independent filmmakers, older filmmakers who are trying to get into the game. Yeah. What would it be? I love that question as well. I love people who are like looking to enhance what they're doing and seeking um, greater expression in their lives as in terms of art. I read a book called the war of art that Stephen Pressfield wrote um, and it actually made me write the screenplay for Good Dick, my first movie. Um, and it's so incredible. I tell everyone to read that. It's a very short read, and it'll change your life. The other thing I tell people is don't say I'm a aspiring this or that, or I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to direct it. Just be like, I'm a director, or I'm an artist, or I'm making an album. You know, or you don't have to be like I'm thinking of trying to make an album. You know. Um, but I also think that the key is be kind, number number two. You have to just be nice to everybody because you really, that's where you get collaboration and that's where you get the work from. That's where good stuff and good performances come, come out of that. And I also think that um, if you if you can be like really special and precious in your relationships, like I think it's like worthless to be great in life, like be really great as, a, as an artist, you know, but like you're really mean to your your girlfriend or your boyfriend like I think that's such like a ridiculous thing like why would why would you want to do that like I think it's really important to have a balanced life like um Zach met my grandmother um this year and you know I was so moved because she always said to me like you have to have a balanced life it's who you share your life with and that's why I'm so grateful to have Zach around because it just helps me so much so yeah, it's like that's amazing. Be nice, <laughs> be nice, and be nice all over the place. Just be nice as much as possible. What do you do when you encounter? Because I'm sure Hollywood has a lot of egos. And what do you do when you encounter a situation where somebody is not being their best self? I immediately know whether I can actually help them or not. Because some people you, I can't do anything about. Um, but if I can help them, like I'll say something. Like you know, I'll I'll say what what they just said to me that was fear-based and I'll say, say it back to them in a way that isn't fear-based and then they kind of look at me like their their brain just exploded and then like they end up being able to go on and like make a film or do their biggest dream because Robert Redford actually said that everyone has an acorn that's what Sundance is all about like everyone has their purpose and some people get it when they're an embryo some people get it when they're 60 you know like 
you don't know when it's going to come to you and you're going to be like, oh, cool, this is my life's purpose. But I love seeing people who are in their purpose and know what it is. And that's what our movie is about as well. It's like Jill does not have an acorn. <laughs> she wasn't allowed to have a purpose. Well, something that I admire about you as a director and a screenwriter is that it seems like once you get that acorn, you don't waste any time in getting it down on paper and getting that out into the world. Yeah, I've been really inspired by Zach in that way. Also, like he just makes stuff all the time. He's always making music. Um, and I love... I love the idea of just getting stuff done and putting it out in the world. You know, I think that too many movies are are lost to us because nobody finishes them. And I think the important thing to do if you have a film or you have something that's for the world, like you have to give it to us. Like we need it. We all need it so desperately because no one can tell the story. Like, like no one can tell your story. No one can tell your story. You know, it's like so important. Great. Well, that that was awesome. <laughs> I, I always want to talk to you guys. Us. We love it here. Like we would, we would totally do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're ever in New York and want to come back for another podcast, we will. Let us Can know. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Zach's music is in the movie. He has a song called California that is our credit song, and it's the best song of 2017. <laughs> Check kind. it out. Too kind. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great festival. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe to the No Film School podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, PocketCast, whatever podcast platform you like to use. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you do like us. As always, that really helps. And stay tuned for Indie Film Weekly on Thursday. I am John Fusco. You can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. And you can follow No Film School at No Film School. Until Thursday, have a good week.